Boone, and you're listening to The Day After Sunday. A brief but nerdy conversation about yesterday's worship at White Rock United Methodist Church. We talk about what caught our attention, stories we forgot to tell, and ways that we saw the Holy Spirit moving among us. Good morning, friends. Good morning. Hello, hello. It's good to be with y'all. Thank you. I haven't done that in a while. I know you haven't. Glad to have you, Phil. I'm still here. You are. Welcome. Okay. Yeah. No. Welcome, everybody. Y'all, what a what a day yesterday, huh? Yeah. If you um if you didn't get a chance to watch worship, you can find it on our Facebook page, on our YouTube channel. You can find my sermon on the YouTube channel, on this podcast uh, feed. We started a brand new worship series entitled Love Local, uh, Learning to Love God, Neighbor, and Ourself. Um, and yeah, Baptism of the Lord Sunday, which is uh, another sneaky good Sunday. I was waiting for it. <laughs> I think though, if you call every Sunday a sneaky good Sunday, it starts to lose its meaning. <laughs> it's not every Sunday, it's just all the big holiday ones. All the um, big holiday, holiday ones that we don't uh, make into a worship. Series. Right, everything that's not either Advent or Lent. Um, right. right, correct. It was it the it was three very disparate things that were happening that was yeah. happening yesterday though like baptism of the lord beginning of a new series and addressing everything that has happened on a national level um you would not think <laughs> it would work well to shove all three of those things together but it wasn't I how was, we planned it. do what For sure. we didn't plan to do that no we didn't plan to do that we planned to do two of those three right um but yeah it was it was a very interesting uh, but I thought very effective service, and I was really grateful for all of the folks who were engaging on YouTube and Facebook, um, you know, sharing their thoughts, sharing their emotions, and um, giving us feedback throughout the whole service. That's always really meaningful. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there was a lot of a lot of comments yesterday, Phil. Yeah. Uh, yes, we had a ton of comments yesterday. I'm the the nerdy one who keeps track of all those kind of things, and. Uh, it was more than double the amount of comments we usually get. So we had yeah. 293 engagements. That's amazing. It really is. I mean, it was just people were very, very talkative and there was a lot of opinions and a lot of thoughts. And Yeah. Um, but overall, they were very respectful and caring toward each other. You know, totally. we don't have a, uh, um, we, we don't have like just one swath of opinions in our church. We have a pretty wide um, array. And mm -hmm. I was really grateful to see that people were responding to each other with grace and, you know, clarifying when they needed to clarify, there were some comments, you know, um, that, that could have been misinterpreted, but people just kind of gave the benefit of the doubt and said like, no, I know what you mean. Um, you know, I love you. I'm glad you're in our community. And that was, that's a breath of fresh air when we don't see that on social media very much. For sure. Yeah. Wow. It was, a uh, it was another heavy Sunday. And I think yeah. we, um, you know, there is this instinct, um, this desire that when we have something like what happened on Wednesday at our Capitol to uh, totally deconstruct the service and reconstruct it to fit what is happening in the world. And I think we've seen that over the past several years, this just kind of 
balance between sticking with what we have and um, or totally doing something new. And I'm 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 really grateful that we are able to like hold hold um, hold what we had planned still at the center of our worship, um, while also being able to incorporate the events of the past week. I, I yeah. thought it's kind of really well uh, woven together. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think there is no one right way to do that. I think that every church needs to discern every time, right? I mean, there's not even one right way to do it for a church. You know, you, it, it, it's missing something if you're just, if you're always the church that sticks to the lectionary no matter what, I think that you're leaving a lot on the table. But if you're always the church that, you know, just slams into a different gear at the drop of a hat, you're missing something there too. You're missing continuity and wisdom and groundedness. Um, so for me, um, unfortunately, that means there's there's no answer that it worked last time, so it should work this time. Right. Um, when we had, you know, we we did completely deconstruct the service and change it when um, the uh, Charleston Mother Emanuel shooting happened. Right. And we did it when the Dallas police officers um, were harmed in what was that 2016? Mm -hmm. um, and I really, you know, so that's that's not a right or wrong thing. But this time around, I was just immediately struck as we, so the three of us were on a Zoom call on Wednesday. Right. We were in a worship design meeting, which we try to have every few months. Um, and it's a creative time. It's a it's like a heavy thought process time. We try to get a lot of details down in a short amount of time. Mm -hmm. um, and then Mitchell, as you mentioned in your sermon, Eli um, kind of broke into our concentration and she was like, you need to be watching this. And so it struck me immediately that our baptismal vows speak exactly to what we were experiencing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's why I felt like the, the liturgy could hold us. We didn't right. need to um, flip everything on its head because the spirit was way ahead of us in this instance. Like the best thing I could do was to leave that middle hymn, Wash of God, Our Sons and Daughters, mm -hmm. because it called us to exactly what our baptismal vows called it us, you know, called us to do is to resist evil. I mean, said in the most reverent way possible, my God, what a right. week to resist evil injustice and oppression yeah um so yeah i mean i think then, to pair with that the idea that you know we're we're getting back into our discipleship kind right. of mentality feel like what is it what do you think discipleship looks like uh in response to this yeah that's a good question i think often we think of discipleship as what am i going to study you know what am i going to learn intellectually um, and i think that's Thank you, enlightenment. You know, like we've 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 kind of pigeonholed ourselves in that a lot of the time, especially mainline, right? The mainline church loves to be very intellectual, and I don't think it's a bad thing. Um, but to leave it there is definitely a mistake, right? That we don't get just stuck with the orthodoxy aspect, but we really push ourselves to the orthopraxy as well and recognize that there has to be action associated with. And you mentioned your sermon, right? There has to be this idea of of personal holiness connected to a social holiness as well. And, and, and Wesley was a real big, John Wesley was a real big proponent of like, if you only have one of those, you have none of them, right? Like there, there's, there are two sides of the same coin and, and you can't leave one without the other. And, and so I think it really means mobilizing and it means activity and action and, and getting to work on, on a lot of these things. I actually had people reach out to me after the service yesterday and say, 
I'm ready. Like, just tell me, tell me what I need to do. Like, yeah. I'd be happy to do this. I'd be happy to do this. I'd be happy. And I was like, okay, like, careful what you wish for. Cause it's coming, <laughs> you know, like, like there's, there's a lot of things and, and some of it is intellectual stuff, right? Like before you can act, sometimes you have to do the research and have to learn things to be able to act appropriately and act um, in a way that really brings about responsible and educated um, solutions and not necessarily just solutions, but just um, productive activities, mm-hmm. right? And not doing more harm. And so I think there will be some aspects of of study and some aspects of learning, but there's also going to be a lot of aspects like, like I was talking with with one of our our congregants about um, we've we've mentioned church and society a whole lot, and we're basically going to start doing a once a month um, working meeting where we're going to have a lunch meeting together, and it's going to be writing, sitting down and writing notes to our elected officials, and it's going to be calling together, and it's going to be um, again some learning things too. But really, it's it's going to be a working lunch where we get together and, and we mobilize together um, to to work for change and right. um, and hold people accountable. You know, like. And we, I know we talked a lot about the, the 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 separation of church and state and all this stuff, but that I mean, you know, I know we've talked about this too, right? There's there's political, and then there's partisan, and yes. we are going to be political. You know, we're, we're going to be a, a political church that engages in what happens um, because what happens to our neighbor happens to us. You know, and mm-hmm. and I think you mentioned that too in your sermon, Mitchell, right? Like that we're all connected in this. So. Well, and Phil, I think. So Mitchell, you spoke to this very beautifully when you called us to, you know, the the personal piety and social holiness. Mm-hmm. John Wesley lived in the and. I would say, you know, some of our modern um, spiritual guides like Richard Rohr call us to live in that and space. It's not um, like Richard Rohr and a lot of his contemporaries, Brian McLaren included, um, they have the Center for Action and Contemplation, right? Yep, right. And they speak a lot about... Um, when you have all or nothing, it, it, you miss everything, Phil, exactly like what you were saying. Mm-hmm. Um, Richard Rohr talks about the, the people who seclude themselves in the woods and pray, they're only getting a portion of what God is trying to speak to them. But the For people sure. who recklessly take to the streets without listening to their neighbors are also only getting a portion of what God is speaking, you know, and that's that's hard to hear because a lot of us are called like we feel drawn to one or the other. And it's very tempting to shame people who don't think like us. Right. Yeah. I mean, if, if I, you know, am a very action oriented person, it's easy for me to go, why aren't you posting the right stuff on Facebook? Why aren't you, why aren't you, why aren't you, you know, why aren't you calling Phil and saying you're going to be part of this uh, church and society. But the same could be said for somebody who feels called to deep, prayer and reflection saying, why are you so careless? Why don't you think before you speak? You know, and I think it's the both and. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, to to round back, I think that's what discipleship looks like, right? Discipleship is a fully engaged um, aspect of, of, yeah, like worship is a part of what we do as our discipleship, but, you know, the, one of the reasons I love being a deacon in a Methodist church is because so much of the deacon is a, a calling back into the community. And so, uh, I don't know if I've ever told this story before, but when I went through the, my, uh, what was the class we took in Perkins on word and worship? Is that what it was? That was to, yeah, that's what it used to be called. I think it's called something else now. Yeah. What, I mean, they changed. We're old. That's okay. I know, right? But they, one of the class periods, we had to go into the um, the sanctuary at Perkins and hold a pose that represented what we felt like our call to ministry was. And I went back to the back door and held the door open. And I said, I feel like this to me, like it's both an ushering in, but an also ushering out, you know, and like that to me is what I feel like I've been called to in ministry is to, 
to continue to have like a foot in the church and a foot in the community um, and, and ushering both ways, you know, so that we can always be inviting people in, but always pushing our congregants back out into the, the community to like care for our community. I love that. Yeah. That's a powerful image. Mitchell, what was it? You kind of preached two sermons in one yesterday, but it was so seamless. Like what was it, what was it like for you to embody that space with us yesterday? Yeah. I, it was, I think it was a challenging Sunday to preach because we knew we had to address what happened during the week and we were able to really do um, a good job of that. I think with the Sunday sit down, the, the, space before which which did take a whole turn right like and, and we didn't have to totally switch worship but we did very much switch what we were doing yeah, so we sit down, yeah. which so, was nice to have that space to do it absolutely totally. so you know i think the ground was prepared for the conversation and you know i'd sent a pastoral letter out to the congregation ahead of time so you know i didn't feel like i needed to say more um about huh, about what i said in my letter i think i just needed I didn't need to expand upon my letter, but I needed to be able to connect my thoughts and feelings to what we were trying to accomplish as a church. And yeah, it gets back to the action piece, right? And and so the the hope is that through this series, we really will take take our charge um, seriously to 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 learn to love God more and to learn to love our neighbor more and learn to love ourselves more, because we can't do any one of those things without the other. And um, we can't say that we love God and, and hate our neighbor. And Jesus tells us that. Um, and we can't really love our neighbor as ourselves if we don't know how to love ourselves. And so, um, you know, the interconnectedness of, of our discipleship plan, I think, demands that we talk about what happened on Wednesday. Yeah. While also recognizing that there will always be things that happen in the world that will need our reflection and prayer and um and need to be addressed in sermons um but you know i i want the congregation especially as i go on paternity leave to recognize the um the agency and authority that our congregation has to to respond um and i think that it is really important that people in our church uh recognize that they're gifted and they have all that they need um to be faithful disciples of jesus christ we don't have to wait for anything else we can start that process now and my hope is that our discipleship plan um continues to give people that opportunity to to focus on study and service and worship and um uh, and then ultimately how we live in community with one another here at the church but also in our neighborhoods and in in our portion of dallas you know um I loved the <laughs> I love the examples you gave. Number one, a shout out to John Stanford because, good gracious, we can just shout out John and Betty Stanford all day long because um, of the work that they do. They and so many others do right. And um, but I also loved the way that you you sort of called us to be um, not take ourselves too seriously as we identify our giftedness. Like Phil, I texted Phil and I said, you are indeed gifted at drinking coffee. <laughs> um, and I said, everyone has their part to play. Everyone has their part to play. Right. And so I just love that. Like what, what would it be too in the midst of so much seriousness? Right. I mean, what a heavy, right. Good grief. I mean, what a heavy, like 
probably another year that we're in for at least. Um, we've already been through 2020 and we were hoping that it would get better and it has not. Um, but you know, what, what would it look like to find a little bit of the humor and the joy and saying like, I, I want to join choir. And also I am super gifted at drinking coffee. So what would that look like when we're, when we're back together again, I can hang out outside the front doors and drink coffee and say hi to people. Right. And use those, what we would consider silly gifts to still serve God. Yeah. I think, you know, there's more to to John Stanford's ability than just his ability, right? It, mm-hmm. He has, he knows how to fix things, but really what makes John uh, a beautiful asset in our community is that he's willing to fix things. Mm. And so I think that what we have to get to is a place of offering more than it is a place of refinement. I don't, None of us are going to be absolutely perfect at the things we offer our community. But what we need to get to is a place where we're willing to offer those things in service of the common good, as Paul puts it, right? So that the community can benefit from whatever we have to offer. We are not after perfection in our giftedness. What we are after is our willingness to admit that we are gifted in some things, Mm -hmm. recognizing that gift is from God, and then being willing to put ourselves in a situation where it isn't offered to the community. Mm-hmm. That is a call for all of us. Yeah. Every single one of us who have been baptized into the community, who are members of White Rock or associated with our church in deep ways, have something to offer. And it goes beyond our financial offerings. Mm-hmm. It goes to a place where we center the work of the church in our lives. And we are willing to go out of our way to, to be a part of, this community. And so I think that if we're looking for places to invest in, if we're looking in places where we can feel like we're checking things off the list and saying we're action oriented, which I think is really important right now, I would just urge people to say that the church can, can be that place for them because the church needs active members so that we can live out uh, the transformational uh, ministries that we believe we're called to to possess and 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 steward in in the you know weeks and months to come here in the world. Yeah, and I think from my perspective as a worship musician, um, a way that I would phrase that in my circles would be you know there is no audition here. Mm-hmm. You don't have to audition to be in the choir. You don't have to audition to be in the folk band. You don't have to audition for me to ask you to read scripture. Right. Um, and that's that's part of what I appreciate, uh, and what I really try to live into as my philosophy of leadership is um, perfection is not required. We yeah. we can refine as a community. You know, we you would hope that as you join the choir and you sing for years and years and years, you would pick up skills, but perfection is never uh, expected when you start. Yeah, it's like what you know. Nadia Boltzweber told the the her church when I was a part of it. You know, you picked up a bulletin on Sunday morning, and uh, you didn't know if you had a speaking role or not. Right. Yeah. And it's like pro participation, anti excellence. And I think um, that doesn't mean we don't strive to be really good at what we do, but it does mean that we are all uh, seen as participants in the life of the church rather than right. consumers. And when right. we can move away from consuming church to participating in church, it becomes a really grounding part of our um, notion of, of discipleship. And 
Um, and I go back to to what I said rather emphatically because it's so in part it's so it's such a part of my call is that I really do believe that the church is still the greatest agent for social change in the world. And if I didn't believe that, then I would go be a part of something else, right? Because I I think that that is what we're called to be a to do as disciples. We are to bring about or help bring about the reign of God in our little areas of the world. And when we're really committed to that, it looks like doubling down and investing in our church. And so the goal I think is, is worship is that grounding weekly experience that can help remind us of our connectedness to God and to one another. And um, that's why it's such a critical part of our discipleship plan. Um, but there is more than just worship on uh, a week-in and week-out basis. And I think as you see this n- discipleship plan rolled out for our spring semester, you will find opportunities to engage, whether that's in a class or a cohort or a community group or even just consuming our content. What we want is we want folks to feel like they have a place and then that um, ultimately they can say, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm committed. I'm here. And I'm committed to one another. And as Lindsay said, I'm invested in one another because I think investment um, requires more than just a pledge card, which, by the way, is really nice. And you haven't turned in a pledge card and you want to. It's not too late. You definitely need money to sustain us. But that is just one aspect of uh, the vows we take. Yeah. So were you going to say something, Rebecca? Well, I was going to make a joke. I was just going to say, I love Nadia Boltzweber to pieces. I also, oh, yeah. the Enneagram one in me gets hives whenever she says anti-excellence. Yeah, don't worry. Um, you can participate and still, you know, pursue. Strive for excellence. Yeah. yeah. Right. Anyway, go ahead, Phil. Well, I, I just thought it's so hard, especially now to not feel like what we're doing is consuming, especially because you're, you know, you're not even walking in the building, you know, you're just flipping on the TV or pulling up your phone or whatever. Um, that's why I think it's such a, an important part to encourage the comments and conversation like on Facebook or on YouTube, the chatting. Cause I know, you know, if you were in worship on a Sunday morning, sitting in a pew, you wouldn't be having all those comments back and forth like that, but this isn't the same, right? We're not in the same scenario. It doesn't translate exactly across the board like this. So I'm very, you know, I, I even heard at the beginning, some people were frustrated by like, why are people chatting all the time while things are happening during worship? But like, honestly, that's a way you still can participate and be active and, and be an encouragement. And like, to me, it's almost like the amen, you know, like not that I've only been to White Rock in person a couple of times and not that I heard a whole lot of amens, but like it's, a, it's kind of the, the digital some. version of the amen, you know? Yeah, there are some. Well, and, I think that that really gets us to, you know, what we're hoping to accomplish. You know, we, we talked about it last night in our leadership team meeting, like there's going to be new uh systems we're rolling out a new database and a new way for us to communicate across a new database that that we actually think is going to like really change the way we stay in relationship with one another like it seems silly but one way we can invest is say like yeah i'll put this app on my home screen and i will uh i'll open it and that's where i'll submit my prayer request and that's where i will uh send a message and like there are going to be like really low barriers to participation um as we kind of try to reorganize ourselves and and ho- and look to coming back in person for some things and i think it's just a matter of uh reorientation and so um and and that's what baptism in the lord is ultimately about as a sunday it's it's a you move so quickly from from christmas morning to epiphany and then Jesus is all grown up, right? 
which in some ways is frustrating to me because I want to spend more in, in the Christmas season and in an epiphany. But the truth is like there are things to be done now. And 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 the baptism of the Lord is a way for us to be marked um liturgically by the call that we all have so that we can we can get to work in some regards. And and so I love this idea of looking at our baptismal vows as not only a welcoming water that that kind of washes over um, and 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 makes us feel like we're a part of a community. But but once we come out, we can't stay underwater forever, right? And once we come out of that water, we recognize we are a new creation, and part of that being new, that newness requires a um, an action. And so, it really just worked well this week. Uh oh, I think we lost Mitchell. <laughs> well, that's that's funny. Oh, oh, nope. Okay, well, we lost Mitchell there mid sentence. So yes, Sarah. Sarah said, uh, "Who doesn't like a new database?" Yes, when it works, we love a new database. Love, that's right. Um, so uh, rats. What was I going to say? I was going. Oh, oh. Um, while we wait for Mitchell to get back in, yeah. um, yeah, and I think what a perfect thread. I, I fully plan just a little, you know, glimpse into my head. I plan to thread this idea of baptism, rebirth, renewal, um, recommitment, right? Cause baptism doesn't always happen at the same time in everybody's lives. Some people get sure. baptized as a baby, some, you know, as a teen, some as an adult. Um, I'm planning to, to weave this thread through the whole series because I think discipleship is living into your baptism. Yeah. It is being active and contemplative um to worship and to serve right it's it's the and so what i was thinking yesterday and maybe mitch will get back for this but even if he doesn't that's okay um if i'm somebody who's sitting there listening to this and think like yes like everyone has a gift i have a gift i mean like you know my whole life is a gift right and and god has gifted me um but i don't know what my gift is you know what do you what are your thoughts on that? Like how do people either try to identify or find their gifts or try to like, articulate them in such a way that they feel like they can be a, like put their gift into the body to be this, you know, a, a active part in it. Mm. That's a great question. I mean, uh, on a, on a technical level, right. There are gift surveys that we have mm -hmm. done before to help you identify in a more concrete way. Right. Um, what your gifts may be, you know, mm -hmm. kind of narrow it down. Do you prefer to teach or do you prefer to be behind the scenes, right? Like on stage, off stage, those kinds of more yeah. um, technical either or things that may help you kind of identify. But on a very basic level, I would say, what do you love? Mm -hmm. Do you, right? I mean, do you love to learn? Do you love to teach? Do you love to sing? Do you love to play an instrument? Um, do you love to say hi to people yeah. and start there? I mean, I always forget who said this quote, Phil, maybe you can help me out. You're good with this kind of stuff. You know, what, what we really need is not more people who are like seeking out their purpose. What we really need is people who have come alive. Mm -hmm. So find what makes you come alive and do it. Yeah. And so I would say, you know, if you feel like you want to give something to white rock or to another church community, what makes you come alive? And then, offer that to the community so that other people can come alive as well. Howard Thurman. There you go. Got nice it. job, Dexter. <laughs> uh, we do have a question though, Phil, that you might want to speak to real quick. Yeah. Which database did we choose? Uh, 
Kathy, Kathy, yeah, Kathy, good question. We um, are actually a beta test for a whole new company. It's called Communitas Technologies. And so they're building a data a database from scratch. And um, the CEO used to work, he, he developed Fellowship One, which is Fellowship here in Dallas. It's a you know, big church here. And uh, now that his non-compete is, is up, he decided to just do his own thing and build a whole one from scratch. And so we had known a couple of people, had some mutual friends, and then one of my former coworkers as well is, is on staff over there. And so um, they're rolling out basically this whole new product and we're one of the first ones to get to do it. So welcome back, Mitchell. Don't know. Big sir. What, what happened? <laughs> I blame my operating system. Always a good choice. It just started rebooting. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Okay. Windows uh, all the way, Dexter no, says. No, no, no we, don't, we don't play like that. <laughs> what I miss? <laughs> well, um, we have one minute left, but we were talking about our new database, and we were also talking about um, how to invest your gifts, like yeah. – how to, uh, how to identify too. Yeah. yeah how, how to identify your gifts for sure. Um, mm. but yeah. And I also said, Mitchell, right as you were leaving that this idea of, of baptism, you know, baptism and finding new life is going to, um, it's going to continue throughout this whole series because I think that in essence ties very well to what discipleship is. It's finding your life in Jesus. Yeah. And it's going to hopefully continue throughout the year as we kind of, we start the year off with this love idea that like we can't fully love unless we've uh, really feel connected and seen and a part of something. And, 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 and then how do we love? Well, um, I think is going to be a real challenge for us this year. And so it's kind of the theme. Sometimes we pick words for, our, you know, to carry us through the year and, I think love is a good one for us. I mean, it's hard to go wrong with that word, right? It's true. Definitely. But it's it's easy to not get it, I think. It's hard it's hard you can't go wrong with with meditating on love, but I think it's more um it's more challenging than just uh sure. how often we you know, we use it we use that word a lot, but I love pizza. Right. I love my mom. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I think love, the, I love lamb. Prob probably <laughs> those two are not equal, but they are both important. <laughs> I, love I do really love pizza. No, mom, I'm just kidding. I love you more than pizza. <laughs> yeah, I think the the final thought I have on on that is if you if you don't know what your gifts are, then um, I think you're right, Rebecca. Like, think about things you're really passionate about, what really bring you life, but also like ask people around you. Yeah. Like, if you could identify a um, a gift of mine, what would you say it is? Yeah. And, and reach out to Phil. I mean, Phil is sure. our, you know, he's our minister of discipleship. That's, that's one of the things that he can help you do is to find, mm -hmm. find your way, find a way to engage. So I'm sure there's an app for that. Yeah. All right, friends. Good work. Big week ahead. Good to see you I will, uh, this is my last podcast. Well, not forever. <laughs> not forever, but for a while. Yeah. Uh, next you'll be, you'll be on paternity leave for what? Eight weeks, six weeks. Six weeks. So uh, I won't be with you all for a while, uh, and I will miss you all very much. Um, but I am looking forward to spending some time with my uh, son, Declan. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, Phil, your mom is so cute. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. Glad to know that you're listening, and I she do love said, you more than pizza. She said, thankful to hear that you love me more than pizza, Phil. <laughs> love, it. love it. Awesome. Good. All right, friend. Bye, friend. Yep. Take care. See you later. Blessings. Take care.
You're listening to a podcast recorded at White Rock United Methodist Church in the heart of East Dallas. For more information, you can find us at wrumc.org. And make sure you stay subscribed to this channel to stay up to date with all of our content.